The top topics for today's episode are Porsche Classic consumer feedback, car names, and air-cooled turbos. Nineworks Radio is your dedicated Porsche and car podcast, taking you closer than ever to the world's finest sports cars and the culture and history behind them. Nineworks Radio is brought to you by nineworks.co.uk, the innovative online platform for Porsche enthusiasts. Nineworks Radio is presented by Porsche journalist Lee Sibley and 993 owner and engineer Andy Brooks with special input from friends and experts around the industry, as well as you, our valued listeners. Enjoy the episode. Good day, all. <laughs> good day, one and all. How the devil are we? Mate, I'm very good. How are you? Good. I'm very good. hope all the listeners are good. Um, excuse the panting in the background. That's my crazy dog. Yes, we can assure you it is. It's a little Frenchie. So, yes. Hello, listener at home. Hello and welcome to Nine Works Radio. Another stellar episode. Incoming. The Andy Brooks, the Andy and the Lee Brooks. Sibley, <laughs> and the Lee Sibley, yeah. So, yeah, what have we got coming up today, Andy? A few bits and pieces. Yeah, a few bits and pieces. We're going to talk about turbos. Yes, old turbos. Old turbos. Uh, we're going to get a customer's perspective on the subject from last week, which was Porsche Classic. Yeah, yeah. Nice look on the other side of the fence. I feel. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, get a bit of balance. Yeah. And what was the other subject? Well, we'll should we dive into that first? Could do, so yeah. We're going to talk about car names yes. and naming cars. So, Why did this come to you? Yeah, so great shout. Uh, yesterday, I had an evening at R31 of Porsche Club GB, which is the Cotswolds region. Yeah. Um, I'd like to say, by the way, a, a huge thanks to Nick and Chris for kindly inviting us up for the evening, which was super, super cool. And we had this um, a, a Q&A with about, I think it was 38 in attendance 38 members from from cool. the Cotswolds yeah. region and uh yeah so thanks to the guys and girls there for a super enjoyable evening uh but uh, Hope they enjoyed it too yeah yeah f- f- <laughs> i wasn't there <laughs> <laughs> yeah fingers crossed yeah they only got half yeah. only got half the gig um but yes a lovely lady called carrie came up to us and uh carrie said you know what you should do for your podcast episode you should talk about naming cars because i think a lot more people do it than you realize and yeah. I thought, well, yeah, maybe they do. Let's, let's chat about it. Maybe they do. Yeah. yeah. Carrie, uh, I can't quite remember what you called your 718 GTS. I'm going to go with Lucifer, but I could be wrong. So feel free to get in touch and let us know if we've got that And right derived for forgetting. Yes. Yeah, exactly that. Um, so I do apologize. But the point is very well made uh, that Carrie said lots of people name their cars. And I thought, well, it's kind of true. I topical because i've named well You've yeah just, renamed mine yeah or renamed oh okay so yeah. i didn't know it had a kind of christian well, name well yeah it's had it's had three names oh god <laughs> okay yeah go on then so what what was what were they well, to it, begin with? it came with its own name which was the red baron the which red was like baron. the previous owner but i was like mm, lots of fussed on that mm. so yeah it it was known by some people as the red baron but not yeah i wasn't going to advertise it yeah. um but then we, I was asked if um, the car would go into the calendar for, what's his name? Martin, the ghost outlaw. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and one of his requests was that the car had a name. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to use the Rip Baron. 
And in, my, in sort of desperation, I came up with Old Stripey, which is absolutely oh, awful. Old Stripey. This is just shocking, isn't uh, it? Dear. It's a step up from um, the old Baron. Yeah, the old Baron, it's yeah. It's a, a bit slimy, that. I yeah, feel. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, um, yeah, reluctantly it went for that because it was sort of time constraint. So I had yeah. to come up with something. But did after that point, did you feel like your car needed a name? Did you feel like you needed to name it? Um, it kind of got me thinking that maybe it does need a name. Okay. Why? Why? I don't know. Just because you, that sort of, you know, when it went in that calendar, it, I was asked for a name and it just mm. felt, okay, maybe it should have a name. Yeah. Because it's kind of quite a known car now, isn't yeah. it? Maybe I should personify it. Yeah. <laughs> Such big words you come out with. (laughs) Yeah, so yeah. That's what you went for. Yeah, so yeah. Which resulted in? Gustavo. Gustavo. (laughs) I love it. And also, it's completely left field. Yeah, it is. It's completely left field. So come on, tell... tell So um, I'm sure everybody knows that my car's got those stripes on, the silly stripes on the side, Mm -hmm. uh, which were inspired by a car from uh, the West Coast... No, sorry, East Coast of the US... Uh, a little white target called Pablo. <laughs> and um, I, was, I was speaking to Tony who owns Pablo. And I was like, well, how did Pablo get his name? And apparently uh, Pablo Escobar had a white targa, And one of Tony's mates put a little sticker on the car when they were going to a rent sport reunion um, and put Pablo on the window. Yeah. And I think he got interviewed for something like maybe Porsche America or something like that interviewed him and they, or, or it might've even been TV and um, they started referring to the car as Pablo mm-hmm. and it stuck. So I thought as my car is kind of related to Pablo, bit of a blood brother, bit of a blood brother. Yeah. And um, now Gustavo was uh, Pablo's right hand man. Right. Okay. In the drug cartel. Yeah. The so, one, yeah, one that's, the scales. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah. He's the one with the big guns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's how Gustavo got his name. Awesome. Which I, I kind of quite like. It's a bit of a... I love it. It's got a good story I, to it, isn't I, yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And that's kind of the point. And um, we just, before we got the mics out, we did an Instagram live. Yeah. Which was a very good idea, Andy Brooks. So well done for that. So we just had like a five minute. We'll do some more of those. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's a great shout. And um, yeah, we just had like a five minute kind of conversation with, um, with followers on our Instagram page. And we asked, you know, why did people name their cars or did they name their cars and why? Yeah. And there was, there was a lot of feedback. And again, it's something that um, we were talking about at the Porsche club evening briefly. Um, It was Carrie that said, maybe more women do it like name their cars than men or or like that might be the perception. Yeah. But I mean, that was quite a popular thing that we just did on the Instagram live there. There there were a lot of kind of, a lot lot of people came forward and said, no, actually I do name my car and it's X, Y, Z because yeah, which yeah, surprised me a little bit really. Yeah. There was more than I thought there'd be actually. Mm. So I've only named, I think one other, well, another car of mine had been named, it was called the Green Goddess. My mum what called it What colour was it? It was green. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was um, a VW Type 3 variant. Yeah. It was a beautiful old car, that. And um, my mum called it the Green Goddess for some reason. It, and it stuck, but it really sort of... 
I guess it was the fire engines, wasn't it? From it was the same color as the fire engines from the war that were called the Green Goddesses. Yeah, yeah. I okay. guess that's where it came from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it just, yeah, it felt quite a good name for that. Yeah, for that car, very apt. Yeah. So, I mean, you've had more than forty cars. So, out of those forty cars, you've named two of two. them. <laughs> yeah. So, it, you know, it's five percent. So, you know, you're not really into I'm not, kind yeah, of naming not, yeah. cars. Yeah. So, you've named yours, obviously. Where did that come from? Um, do you know? It's a really good question. I think Carl Mayer, who's been on this podcast before yeah. um, at two nine eleven, the Porsche buyer, he used to have a three point two Carrera, and he called it Little Red. It was okay. Guards Red, yeah. And I think I've just taken that and swapped the name out, obviously, Got because you. it wasn't yeah, always yeah. Little Irish, was it? So, yeah. Um, I think I maybe mentioned it in the in a YouTube video where I was introducing the car, or maybe reflecting after the car had been yeah. resprayed Irish green. And then I just started getting a couple of messages from people going, I love what you've done with Little Irish. And I was like, just oh, wow. Yeah. So I've never kind of gone out of my way to call the car that. And actually, yeah. I, I think other people call the car Little Irish more than I do, if that makes Got sense. You. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I used to name cars. My first car was a VW Polo. I obviously named it... Minty. Exactly. That. <laughs> <laughs> that was okay. <laughs> That's it. It's the obvious, isn't it? It's yeah. the obvious. Um, I then, I had um, an MX-5 and it, it was called Michael Jackson because its appearance changed substantially <laughs> <laughs> over time. So again, just like friends down the pub, they just started calling it Michael Jackson <laughs> and that stuck. I then had... Um, a Lexus IS 200. So that was called Alan, Alan Partridge. Oh the, yes. Of with course, the Lexi. Yeah. And then my 996 C4S, the one I had before yeah. little Irish. I don't think I really named that, but someone got in contact with me. I think again, via Instagram or, or email or whatever, and said that they used to own the car and they called it Petra. Oh, so, so I like, loosely called this thing Petra. Yeah. But you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't tend to, to be myself i don't tend to like seek out to Names, name a car. i just seem to get them yeah certainly not anymore maybe i used to yeah um and i, I said to you andy away from the mic that laura when we got the cayenne laura said well i'm going to call this penny penny porsche and i said you are absolutely <laughs> not going to call it penny <laughs> porsche not, not around my ears yeah no <laughs> way so you know i get it and i, I think it's quite endearing when people name their cars yeah but yeah I w i'm not sure i'm into it per se despite having a car that's known as Little Irish. Yeah. So, okay. You know. They just appear. Yeah. Happen, yeah. happen by luck. Yes. Yeah. But our listeners, as we alerted to earlier on, they're definitely into naming cars. Yeah, we've got a few, actually. Yeah. Shall we, um, shall we hit a few? Go for it. Uh, we've got Petrolhead Mark 1 Golf, and it, he's got a black 997.2 C2S, um, and that's called Shadow, and that was named by his daughter quality got so, the family involved yeah it seems quite a few family involved doesn't there yeah um what else have we got uh so james gt3 i think that's james wyatt uh he's yeah a white gt3 with black stone chip guards and central stripe he's named it stormtrooper which yeah i get that that's a really popular name for um, white cars white i3s ah. because they've got the black bonnet and it actually looks like a stormtrooper yeah yeah, yeah. okay does that gt3 does that have a black no it doesn't have a black bonnet it might be on the gt3 rs wouldn't it yeah it would be yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but there'd be a lot um and that's the 991 
uh, it is dot one actually, so there's not as much kind of black bits on it as the Gen Two with like the end plates and whatnot. The Gen Two yeah. black, but um, no, I, I get it. I get why well, there's Stormtrooper. Any others cool. of, uh, of note? Right, next one we've got is uh, Mister Lard Tree. Do some of the Instagram names do make me chuckle? Sort of, <laughs> sorts of stuff going on there. <laughs> this is almost like what do you name your car? What do you name your Instagram? Isn't it? Where, where do they come from? Okay, Mister Lard Tree. Uh, he's got a nine nine six and he calls it Spicy Beetle. I guess because it's a beetle on roids. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, get that one. Um, another one, Ed Jenkins. Oh, lots of O's. Otis, Oscar, and Olivia, and I believe he said it was all to do with the number plate. Yeah, the last letters last, on the number plate, which I think a lot of people do, don't they? Yeah, take inspiration for for names from those. Yes, yeah, I've definitely seen that. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, what else have we got? Good idea. But again, you know, yeah, Otis, Oscar, and Olivia. It's it, it's like their children. You know, like when you, yeah, you, yeah, know, yeah. you name your kids, it's oh, no, it's actually my cars, which are you know, far more important <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and probably far more expensive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's that? 19 Chitana Ruby. I'm hoping that's a Ruby Stone I'm car. I'm hoping that's a Ruby Stone car, yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah so um, somewhat controversially, someone called Lil underscore Azza said no 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 i'm gonna email boris to ban naming cars <laughs> <laughs> not not quite digging it no not he's qu- not down with it yeah not yeah. down with it at all um john wallace silver streak for his arctic silver 996 c2 so yeah it's a lot seem to go around colors don't they yeah yeah uh merv yeah the instagram names are so difficult to work out (laughs) we'll just call him merv yeah merv uh princess as named by my seven-year-old daughter every time i go to work on it on it in it i think you mean every time i go to work in it she rolls her eyes and says he is going to be with princess again (laughs) brilliant that is quality Uh, again getting the family involved though quite often these cars kind of play a central kind of family role in a weird way. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's cool at you know, cars and coffees and whatnot. A lot of um, like dads bring their sons along or daughters or whatever, you yeah. know, and, and get, get, get the kids involved, which I think is quite nice. So yeah, I kind of get that that's possibly where like these origins of some of these names have come from. That's quite interesting because there's a bit from Ed Jenkins who we had early with all the O's. And he said, uh, if you truly, he, he truly believes that cars are more than just a mode of transport. Um, and that is why, why would you not name your motor? Yeah, 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 I get that. Yeah. I get that. I'd say it's quite literally like personifying the thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Super Sloth. What a name. Adventuring 992 for an adventuring green. Again, that's another one kind of pertaining to the colour. Colours, car. yeah. Uh, yeah, Millicent, who's uh, actually a family friend. Uh names her car patricia to match my porsche so it's a bit of alliteration going on there again okay patricia the porsche so, like penny the porsche yes yeah. yeah or petra the porsche as they could uh, say it's not very imaginative it's then. not very imaginative <laughs> is it yeah exactly yeah prunella <laughs> uh got a note from nick jeffrey he doesn't name his cars that surprises me yeah 
never even crossed my mind to do so. Yeah, okay. Because he, he, he chops and changes his cars quite a lot. Yeah. So maybe he'd forget their names. Whereas you don't forget the models. Yeah. You never forget the models. Forget the models. <laughs> yeah. Good. So, um, yeah, why, why do you name your car? Yeah, it'd be nice to kind of dive into this maybe next episode and, and get some feedback from, from people listening at home. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll pop up um, an Instagram post and you can... Uh, yeah, let us know. Let us, yeah, let us know like what you what you named your Porsche and why. There's, um, yeah, we're always interested in the stories on that. Absolutely. So, but yeah, definitely more people naming their cars than perhaps we'd realised. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like, you know, when you go to like functions and you get like a name tag when you walk in so that everyone knows who you are. <laughs> Maybe you should start dishing them out at cars and coffees. <laughs> you got to walk around with your name of your car on you. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, you know, Steve underscore Mark 2 39041. <laughs> and this is my car, Prunella. <laughs> <laughs> Prunella, the Porsche. Excellent. Right, quality. All right, then. So uh, that's, that's car names, which we'll kind of come back to. Yep. Shall we dive into some turbo time? Yes. You, you're a fan of... Certainly, an air-cooled turbo. Yeah, well, they're just iconic, aren't they? Yeah, it was going back to our interview with Maz and Rob. Yes, I mean that turbo. I don't think it just sort of yeah. Mm. So, would you say that's your like ultimate turbo, like singer's turbo study? I. It's somebody was asking the question the other day, and I can't remember in what context it was, but they were like asking, "Would you, you know, if?" If you were able to afford it, would you go um, turbo study or classic or DLS? Mm. If you had to pick a singer, you know, currently at the moment, yeah. Um, and I think I would go turbo. Would you really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's just really is that iconic. It, it, I mean, it's just school schoolyard love for those, isn't there? Really. Yeah, you know, that, it, that is my first introduction into into Porsche was uh, seeing a a whale tailed turbo. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, like it, on reflection after we spoke to Rob and Maz, I kind of assimilate it to as a kid when you're growing up, and um, th- this will be people older older than me, I'm afraid. But growing up, you see that 930 turbo for the first time. Yeah. But then um, as 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 you get older, you kind of become a bit more chiselled and a bit more refined you know you 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 lose like the the like chubby kid fat or whatever do you know what i mean and then, like, you, you, you just get older you know you've got you, the old man fat now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you you know you, you yeah like mature and whatnot yeah and then your kind of uh, view on life and everything comes more rounded and just kind of chiseled is probably the word and that's kind of like um a similarity with that turbo study it's like the 930 was kind of um you know, you could kind of draw that as a, as a, as a kid, you know, kind oh, of yeah. it's quite yeah. basic lines and whatever. And then all of a sudden it's just had this kind of like beautiful evolution into what it is now. I, it's a really crap, it's a really crap description. Or <laughs> oh, I know what you mean though, because, um, you know, I've been looking at the, those photos that we'd had and we'd had them a few days before the embargo. Yeah. So it was quite nice to sort of take those in. And, um, then, you know, once the the singer, you know, we'd done the interview and everything, I actually went back and looked at some old 930 photos. I was like, geez, I, I, oof, looks a bit unresolved, a little bit janky, some of the design. <laughs> and that's, you know, the amazing work that they'd done mm. to 
round off all those little corners and everything. Mm. But yeah, um, going back to the old stuff, you've been getting turboed lately, haven't you? Yeah, so With some old old stuff. old stuff. Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of what sparked the the, the conversation that it was. Uh, so there's a video coming soon where we've driven every air cooled turbo back to back. Oh, fantastic! So yeah, the early and late 930s, then onto the turbo twos, the 964 generation, yeah. and then obviously culminating in 993 end of the air cooled. Super. And yeah, I mean it was so amazing to drive them all back to back, including a slant nose, by the way. Oh wow! Which, yeah, well, what do you think of of, of a flak bow first of all? Uh, it wouldn't be my choice as like. The only one you'd have, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But if you were somebody that had the means to have a number of, yeah, then yeah, you'd probably get one. Yeah, it's a nice little marker of a cool bit of history. That yeah, obviously has its roots in in racing, which is pretty yeah. cool. Before the shoot and test, I thought exactly that. It's it's super cool, but if you had to have one Porsche, it wouldn't be a slant nose yeah. because it's not it's not the it's same. It's not iconic, is it? You, no, that, it's all about that tunnel view isn't it on those old yeah it take is that away kind of yeah, yeah. but then my, my my opinion changed andy oh, did by it, the really? end of the day yeah so like first of all driving it but then somebody else was driving it um and because i was like in the camera car so yeah. i was um, ahead with the cameras pointing back and just seeing this thing in like the the rear view mirrors it was like my god that thing is so cool it still has just as much presence and actually i think it's the kind of thing whereby if you rock up to somewhere that has a Porsche crowd, yeah, they'll know what it is. I they'll know it's a bit different, but actually a bit different in a special way. Okay. Um I don't know if I'm that educated on them. Mm. Can you what's special? What's Well, it's it's was inspired by the nine three five race car and then Porsche decided, okay, we can do that as part of our Sondervinch department, the exclusive department. We okay. can give you that car. So is it only done for, through for the road? Som- well coach builders did it as well in the 80s yeah. so there were some like or there were i don't think there's many around now but like some shonky kind of fiberglass you know front end flat yeah. nose conversions but um it, you know if you got it from the factory it, it means that at some point somebody spent mega bucks on that converting it to a flak bow so like it's a really it's a super quirky bit of porsche history yeah um and yeah genuinely special special wishes right so i think if you rock up to a porsche um, events, cars and coffee, crowd, whatever. I think that will be understood generally yeah, and, and, yeah. and received as, as not, you know, just something you've built at home. Uh, but then also if you take it somewhere where it isn't a Porsche centric crowd or yeah. particularly like well-educated crowd on cars, full stop, it's very, very, very different to like a lot of things out there. And some people might like the fact that it doesn't look like any other any old Porsche, okay, any maybe other old a bit Porsche. more exotic because of the pop up. Yeah, and that sort of yeah. Thing. You know, when the uneducated say, "Oh, every Porsche looks the same. Yes. They all look the same." Yeah, yeah. You know, blah blah blah. Um, well, that doesn't. So I think that might kind of peak appeal to, you know, say the average yeah. enthusiast or something. So did it feel different driving it, it or did it? It did, yeah, like, because, you know, if you imagine, well, as you well know, as a 993 owner, um, but particularly before that with um, the gun barrel, yeah, front, you know, front fenders as they're called. So on, on the older stuff, they really were used as a point of reference yeah. for driving. Um, you haven't got any of it. So you've still got that kind of really old school 911 driving experience of kind of really being on top of a quite steeply raked and quite shallow windscreen. But it's 
but there's nothing ahead of you. Doesn't seem like there's anything ahead. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing ahead of you for, yeah. for reference or otherwise. You just you don't even see the bonnet slip away. You just don't see anything. Yeah. So it's quite bizarre, but I, you know, I like that. Yeah. I like yeah, that. Yeah. And then like you pull um, the like headlight. I don't know what's nope. it called. It's not a switch. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, pull the headlight knob and then these things like pop up and then there you've got like your reference again. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I think that's quite... It was good. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So, so yeah, I, I, you know, I, I have been a fan, but yeah, just loved it from, from that point. But So you 3.3, uh, three litre turbo? Yes. Three, yeah, three, three litre. 3.3. Yeah, 3.3, uh, 3. four speed. Um didn't actually have there wasn't a five speed there but i had yeah. driven a, a five speed before which was the last of the 930 era the 1989 yeah um porsche used the four speed uh, which was its own gearbox rather than the 915 five speed um because they they didn't think that that gearbox would be able to take the torque yeah from the turbocharged engine which was 260 horsepower in three liter form up to 300 and then 330 by the end of the 930 era um so yeah like so all these all these turbos back to back so there'll be a video coming soon on nine works tv for that but it did yeah we thought we'd have a chat about it then mm. so of of that air cooled turbo era you mentioned away from the mics that you know you you really really dig it an air cooled turbo so like what is your favorite and why oh, what's my favorite well, that's a good question because you said you would own one <laughs> yeah uh I mean, the 964 turbo does appeal. Mm-hmm. Uh, 993 turbo doesn't appeal to me that much Ooh. out of all of them, to what? be honest. That's probably my least favourite. Oh, why's that? Uh, not that keen on the rear spoiler on a turbo. I think it's doesn't do it for me. No, no rubber bits. That's why. Could be, yeah. 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 All- yeah. Um, I'd probably go G body turbo, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So three or three, three or what? Uh, three, three. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Epic. Yeah. But, um, yeah, nine, but nine, six, four turbo does appeal a lot. Yeah. So that would, yeah, it's a close run thing. Oh, this is so funny. Cause like we're so different in that regard. The nine, six, four turbo for me in both 3.3 and 3.6 form. Yeah. I'm just completely not, not fussed by it whatsoever. Why? Really. What looks or, cause I've only got looks. I've, I've not driven a turbo, any of those. So yeah. I, I, it's all about looks as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean the, the and three point perceive drive into dyna- the dynamics. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, the, the, the three and I apologize to, you know, any, owners that kind of might be offended this is just my viewpoint yeah. but the 3.3 i think is well known as a bit of a sort of halfway house so porsche at the time was developing that type 965 that we've yeah. spoken about previously that then was a stillborn project that they were quite quite a way down the line with so the company needed that flagship model to kind of prop up the 964 yeah. and to keep yeah. that model line up going so the 3.3 is the 930 it, engine that's, that sort of um fits with the ethos that's carried on. So when the 996 um, became the 997, the engines transferred across, didn't they? So yeah, it's it kind did. Of, yeah. It was an early sort of 
form of that in yeah, some ways. I think that's that's fair to say, but I think the the nine nine six into nine nine seven as as an example, like there was an evolution. The engine went from three six to three point eight, and you know, blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah. But like with with that, it really was a oh Christ, we need to do something here. So yeah, if, okay. you know, let's yeah. take the turbo engine that we sold for fifteen years and put it in the nine six four. So way. yeah, yeah, you know, that's fair, and and you know. Um, yeah, I don't think it looks particularly aggressive on the cup wheels either and whatnot, but that's fine. Um, the 3.6, it, you know, is, is a substantial reworking. It's the 964-based uh, 3.6-litre engine. The um, ride is changed. It's lowered over the 3.3. That's some significant differences. Yeah, a few then. trick bits on the suspension. I can't quite remember what they were now. Obviously, the addition of those speed lines, which, you know, they're yeah. well known for, um, revered, aren't they, those, those speed line wheels. But, and it was only for sale for one model year, um, less than 1,500 made. And I think that really and the well. Bad Boys thing. I mean, the yeah. Bad Boys car actually sold at auction recently for crazy money. Yeah. I think it was 1.3 million USD. Um, I mean, I, you know, I've never really seen the film. Never, I've, you know, I've seen the scenes with the car, but I'm not really kind of fussed. I, I don't have that emotional appeal to it, yes. shall we say. Yeah. So just driving the car for what it is. And, and, you know, they have been exchanging hands for the last five years for big money. Yeah. You know, um, and actually the time, the first time I drove the car, they were sitting about a quarter of a million quid about five years ago. Yeah. So I've gone into this car as super high expectations. Everyone under the sun has said, it's the bad boys car, blah, blah, it's blah. The, you it's know. the one, yeah. Yeah, quarter of a million quid. And I was just like underwhelmed. And I think the reason was it had the turbo traits of like, you know, big acceleration and whatnot. Yeah. But compared to modern stuff, it wasn't outrageous. Got you, yeah. Um, but it was also quite unrefined so it was this weird sort of halfway house in the yeah, evolution yeah. of air cooled turbos whether's why i really like the 993 although it's the last air cooled 911 turbo i view it as the first modern turbo so it does feel fast even still by today's standards but also obviously it's twin turbo charged and four-wheel drive the first four-wheel drive yeah. car multi-link rear axle what do you think so that was is it being four-wheel drive does that dull anything for you does that because that's probably one of the aspects that pushes me away from the 993 is because it is four-wheel drive yeah from well, you know from my academic point of yeah, view i guess yeah well and and that is a really good point andy to be, because to be honest the 930s and the 964s their nickname was the Widowmaker. they yeah. were known for going through hedges backwards when it got to the 993 that name was passed on to the gt2 because yeah. that was the rear-wheel drive turbocharged car um four-wheel drive yeah obviously kind of nullified that to a certain extent it made the car safer or easier to drive less less prone to um yeah entering shrubbery backwards but and this is this is what i mean whereby it's the last air cooled turbo but it's also the first modern turbo because there was that switch from the car being this really jekyll and hyde on off classic sports yeah. car into actually this all dancing indomitable super sports car that could do everything you could go, go to the yeah, shops yeah, in yeah, it yeah. you could track it you could go um to drive to Le Mans in it you could drive around the Alps in it it would do everything and it was still super lavish and you know super wide and yeah. look like a spaceship on the road so 
And, and that has been the blueprint of every 911 Turbo since. Since, yeah, yeah. I you see know? what you're saying, yeah. So I think that's where its achievement lies. It could genuinely embarrass cars of today or give them a run for the money. Whereas the 964, to me, if you take away all the hysteria around, you know, Hollywood films, yeah. it's just this awkward halfway house where it's not as agricultural as the early 930s, which is where their charm comes from. Yeah. But it's also not as kind of fast and accomplished as the 993 Clearly, or later stuff. Yeah. So do you see what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it's, absolutely. For yeah. me, it might be a, a controversial opinion, but no. like for me, the best 911 Turbo is the first one. Yeah, the, you've said that before. I you? love you it. just love it. It's, it's so three litre. Three litre, four speed, obviously yeah. no intercooler, single turbocharger, rear wheel drive. Um yeah, I've said before that it's a bit of an art kind of driving that and driving it quickly. You have to get used to the super long gears. You have to just get used to keeping the keeping the that rev needle in the top half of the taco yeah. and staying on boost because it really is. You put your foot down, you know, you can light a fag, lie back, <laughs> think about your life for ten minutes, and then the boost comes in. And yeah. you know, it is super super agricultural, and but I just like that. Yeah, and even by the end, you have of, to drive around those. Yeah, bits. you do. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's the fun. That's what makes it so engaging, and you know, and it is quick once it gets going. Yeah, yeah. But that's where um, a somebody that knows the car can drive it really well and really quick. Yeah, and then somebody that doesn't would like oh, I just don't get this car. Yeah. What's it all about? Yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. definitely. But you know, equally when you, when you're off boost, you know, like around town, for example, just normal roads, it's like perfectly like yeah. compatible for that it's just getting caught out you know with that at the, yeah. at the wrong time um but even towards the end you, you can really nicely contrast the first and the last 930 turbos by the end of 930 production which you think is 15 years of gradual evolution yeah. it's a totally different car Andy. the five speed makes a big difference in terms of like your your gear selections and yeah. whatnot um but again the way the power is delivered it's a 3.3 liter by that time um but the way the way the power is delivered, it's a lot kind of smoother. It's not so like nothing, nothing, nothing. Is that through everything. different injection systems? That um, yeah, they did change. I think in nineteen eighty three. I'm going to say okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So and and like a couple of other yeah, just like lots bits, of little improvements bits and pieces. Yeah, um, watch the video a because I've forgotten <laughs> <laughs> half of the things that I learned. But prior to doing the video, but also like we really do deep dive into it, it yeah. it's in two parts it's not out yet um but like i say keep keep tuned on youtube for it but it is it's a totally different car despite having the same name and being that same kind of g-body yeah. style so, so early early turbos for you early turbos so what for year me. any particular uh, like literally Just 75 any- or 76 as so yeah. long as it's that three liter early whale tailed and not tea tray um, yeah. porsche which is the car that singer Yes, it's turbo study yeah. is styled yeah. on. That's it for me. So but you've driven, haven't you driven Magnus's early turbos? I, two of them, yeah. yeah. One's now sold, which is the copper brown metallic car. Yeah. And then the other one is metallic green car with the tartan seats. I'm not sure um, he'd ever sell that. It, I mean, he might have already sold it. <laughs> <laughs> the opinion might be outdated, but like when, when we drove the cars up Angelis Crest Highway, which was amazing, the cars were on sticky Hoosier tyres as well. Yeah. So it was just, you know, phenomenal things. Absolutely. Yeah. So much grip. But um, 
yeah, these two 930s chasing each other up Angeles Crest Highway was really cool. And, and this, you know, copper brown car was kind of the, the head turner. The paint yeah. was like super fresh. It just looked absolutely stunning. The, the green cars, lots of patina, very kind of worn in. Yeah. But he, he spoke very fondly of that car. Very fondly of it. Um, I think it had a short shift as well. Um, yeah. That yeah. Must, must have been an interesting day. Oh, it was great. It was, it was. I'd love to see your heart rate. Yeah, yeah, pre, yeah. Pre, well, this is the other thing. So, like the um, the three point threes, they've got like nine one seven brakes essentially, or the calipers yeah. taken from the, the nine one seven. The the three liter cars don't, and so like braking, it's a bit like you know you stand on a tennis ball. <laughs> yeah. It's that feeling where like you're just pushing. There's no like definitive grab. It's just like you're kind of stabbing a sponge. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you, there's absolutely no chance of any kind of sharp late braking involved on that. But there was one moment where that kind of action was called upon, and um, yeah, backside going like a rabbit's nose springs to mind. <laughs> if we're totally honest with you. But uh, yeah, did you say what your favourite was though? What uh, Fa- favourite air cooled turbo? Well, only for surmising, which I thought was, oh, okay, would have yeah. been that the G body, the G laser body. G body. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's really sort of from a looks point of view and things that I know, yeah, not from experience. Yeah. Well, so people think uh, that the the common uh, what do you call it common sentiment is that the purest car is naturally aspirated, right? And and you know. You, yeah. have, like me, have one nine eleven. It's naturally aspirated and rear wheel drive, tin top, pure spec. Yeah. So, would you swap that nine nine three out and have as your one Porsche a nine eleven turbo? Yes, I would. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah me too. Yeah. 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 Can't afford it, but yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we found some common ground there. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. This is the yeah. beauty of it. You know. Yeah. That's, that's exactly it. Absolutely. Yeah. Really cool. And and I think. Um, Obviously, the 911, technologically speaking, has evolved substantially in the water cool generation. It's it's crazy, yeah. really, from where it was in 996 up to 992. But there's such a charm to those classic cars. And I have to say, so it was uh, one collector owned the majority of the cars on test. Yeah. And a couple of weeks prior, or a couple of months prior to the test, uh, we met up for coffee we agreed to meet um, like fairly local to here um, at a coffee shop and I was coming down this hill onto the like peninsula. Yeah. And just by pure luck, as I got to the T-junction, this silver 933 litre was going past and I pulled out behind it. Yeah. Um, and it was our good friend and I was following the car as it went around the peninsula and I just thought, wow, wow, you know, that car is very nearly half a century old. And yes, it doesn't share the same um, size on on the yeah, road as yeah. other cars. Proportionally, that car is still an absolute stunner and, and quite aggressive. Yeah. Very low, very squat, very yeah, wide. Yeah, fat at the back. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And honestly, it still had, it still stole the show and just had so much presence to it, despite its footprint compared to modern machinery. Yes, yeah. You know, not being on par. And yeah. that is pretty special, I have it to is, say, to be able yeah. to do that. Absolutely. So lots of love for the Air Cool Turbo on Nineworks Radio. Yeah, look forward to the to the videos. Yeah. yeah when are they dropping? Uh, I can't, I don't want to promise. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is it. Coming yeah. soon. Coming soon. Yeah. It's honestly, keep, TV. keep, keep peeled. It's super, super, super interesting. Cool. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Good. Before we go on to the next topic. So we've kind of asked for comments and for people to get involved. 
yeah. with the shows because that's what it's all about. It's community, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Right. So in our last um, in our last episode when we spoke to the guys at Porsche Centre Bournemouth, we asked Nick Perry, who, who yeah. you know, head of. Um, I know what's coming. This is brilliant. It's awesome, isn't it? So yeah, we, we asked Nick, you know, in his 35 years at Porsche, if he'd seen any bodges. Yeah. And we had a wonderful comment on our Instagram page in the week on one of the posts you put up, Andy. Um, and Pete, who's Alpha Giulietta Speciale on Instagram, uh, Pete said he loved the brief discussion on bodge repairs. It reminds me of the crap headlights on my Mark 1 Golf GTI years ago. It turned out someone had glued aluminium pie dishes in the lamp where the original reflective material had failed. Amazing. <laughs> Can you imagine? Didn't he say that they actually looked like pie dishes that would come out of fish and chip shop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. New lamps were fitted straight away so there was no more getting lost in the dark. Oh, my God. That is amazing. I mean, what goes through your mind to actually take some headlights apart? I mean, that's going to, it's going to take some effort, isn't it? There are, well, it, I think we should. Break the glue line. Yeah. I think we should do something on bodges because I think we can get away with saying some things without naming the cars. Not necessarily for us. Yeah, you know, yeah. But just like for others. So maybe we, we invite people to come forward if you've got any stories of bodges. That you've completed in the past. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or you've just come across, yeah. shall we say, um, yeah. just to kind of keep that degree of anonymity if you wish. Um yeah, like there's there's so many stories out there. And actually, so last episode, I mentioned about my friend's Irish Green 912. Yes. And I said to to you, John and Nick at Porsche Bournemouth, that um, it was advertised as a dry state car, so no rust. And it turns out the seals were made out of banana boxes. Yeah, yeah he contacted me in the week after listening to the pod. Um, and he said, yeah, really don't want reminding of those bloody <laughs> banana boxes. And he said, the story goes on from there. And Sean, because I'm, I'm glad you're listening. He, he lives like in the Outer Hebrides these days, yeah. genuinely. Um, he, I remember him throwing him under the bus a bit here because I love you, mate. But I remember we all went on a drive. A few of us like live in the legend columnist yeah. for T911. We went on this like weekend road trip around Wales. And Sean joined us a little bit later on. So it was like the end of day one. And we all, we were around this uh, lay-by somewhere in North Wales waiting for Sean. Any case, you could see in the distance all of a sudden these two candles appeared on the horizon, <laughs> which was Sean's 912. And uh, yeah, he steamed into the lay-by and he had his drive, it was a left-hand drive car. His driver's side window was raised uh, or lowered by a couple of inches and he just kind of poked his like nose and mouth out and he was like, has anyone got an Allen key? <laughs> and while still keeping his hands on the steering wheel. And when we asked why, he said that the steering wheel had basically started to come off a couple of miles. <laughs> so the last couple of miles before joining us, he was literally driving while holding the steering wheel onto the car. So Sean, you are a fantastic bloke. We should get him on one time. Uh, he's, he's got some stories. That reminds me of a little story that go on. Uh, shall I, yeah, quickly. Um, I had a, Mark one Golf GTI convertible. Yeah. When I was nineteen, and um, I bought it. It was a bit of a wrecker. It like had been painted white. It was bronze originally. It had a like roof that had loads of holes in it. I sort of bought it cheap. Yeah, and um, I was doing some work on it, stripping out interior and stuff like that. And my mate came round, and uh, he said, "Oh, come on, let's go go out for a drive in it." <laughs> so we went up this little lane that was near my mum and dad's house at the time, and sort of razzing it up the lane you know I, I knew the lane well so giving it the proper rally drive <laughs> sort of bouncing off the curves and stuff yeah. and uh got home and i'd been working on the steering wheel and as we came onto the driveway i lifted the steering wheel came off because i didn't have it bolted on Whoa. i just had it like put on the steering column <laughs> and my mate just went fucking ballistic excuse my <laughs> french went ballistic it's like you could bloody killed us <laughs> 
<laughs> he nutter. Yeah, he yeah nutter. so he cacked himself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Oh, that's amazing. We must Funny. revisit this. Like, yeah, uh, bodges. Yeah, let's, yeah, give us, give us your bodges out Yes, there. give us your bodges. Let us know. Awesome. Right. So the last piece of uh, this episode, we're just going to touch on Porsche Classic again. Yes. Yeah. Going to get a perspective from the other side. Yeah, which is um, the right thing to do. Very diligent of us to do so. So we asked uh, our good friend Paul Pressland, yeah, who's been on the podcast before, of course, and he has yeah a number of air cooled Porsches, not just nine elevens, and uh, yeah, like f- you know, frequents Porsche Classic dealerships these days. Yeah, well, he's been using them, hasn't he, since they've started. At Bournemouth. Yeah, try, yeah. tried a few things. So, yeah, yeah, good to hear his perspective on how it, how he feels um, they're doing down at the, at the Porsche Centre. Yeah, from a consumer point of view. Yeah. yeah. Shall we get him on? Let's do it. Paul Presland, thank you for joining us this evening. Pleasure, Andy. Good evening, Lee. Evening, Paul. Thank you for joining us, as Andy says. So, last week, we spoke to the kind folks at Porsche Centre Bournemouth to kind of really dive into the whole concept of Porsche Classic and understand what a Porsche Classic partner is, which obviously is what Porsche Bournemouth are, one of five in this country. Six. One of six. One yeah, of six. We, yeah, yeah. We yeah. Dublin, didn't we? Yeah, very good point. So it'd be great just to kind of to follow on from that briefly on, on what the Porsche Classic means from the other side of the fence, which is obviously consumer. And you've had quite a lot of experience in that regard. So... Yeah, how, how do you feel kind of Porsche Classic works for you? Following on from uh, your podcast last week actually gave me more of an insight into exactly what Porsche Classic meant. My experience in the past with OPCs and more classic cars has been you, you, you sort of felt that they were uh, looking after the car, but you weren't wholly convinced or, 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 or confident that the knowledge and expertise was there. Yeah. But actually, Porsche Classic status you feel that you've got a factory backup and they've got a line to go and ask questions or a line to go and ask parts. And I thought one point that John raised or, or mentioned last week was that they could make a request up the line. If a part wasn't available, there was a sort of questionnaire and you, and you really felt that uh, the OPCs or Porsche were engaging with people, with their customer base and understanding what the demand was and, and w- where parts might be needed. So that was a great insight. Uh, as I said in the past, I have dealt with OPCs with regard to servicing more classic cars, or classic cars, and they uh, were good. But you felt the independents were more connected and, yeah. and better understanding. And I suppose it's a bit like a container ship that there's been a slow turn of, of, of the, 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 the giant, which is Porsche, coming round uh, to re-engaging with uh, their uh, their clients, customers, enthusiasts, whatever you want to call them. And that insight that John gave really explained to me what it was about. Coinciding with the fact is that I have um, a couple of cars, two or three cars with them at the moment, and they're carrying out work. And the engagement and the discussion and the explanation uh, has been really good. There's, there's nothing's been done without a phone call or a WhatsApp or do you want to pop in and have a look at this? And that was really encouraging. And it gave me a lot of confidence with what they're doing and achieving. 
uh, at Bournemouth, and I assume that that's the same over other classic centres throughout the country. We're very lucky to have one on our, our doorstep. It's given me confidence, uh, but it's also given me confidence to go and speak to other people about it. And uh, I think there are a lot of people who have perhaps haven't dipped into the classic car network because, or classic Porsches, because they're slightly worried about, oh, who's going to look after it, or how's it you know? Whereas if yeah. they can, the sort of person who's sort of no, never going to work on the car themselves, a little bit nervy, and the, the fact is they can take that car through to an, an OPC, I think is, is huge from their point of view. Um, and, and can't be underestimated. Uh, but but I sort of feel how I would describe uh, uh, John and, and with Nick. I almost feel I've got a, 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 an independent specialist under the umbrella of an OPC. Yeah, you've got a, there's there's definitely a more of a oh, just a, f- a feeling that they're not totally on the Porsche side, are they? They're almost like on the customer's side as well, if you know what I mean. You, yeah. I, there's I, that I sort of respect and... Emotional connect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I genuinely believe they've got, obviously they've, they work for a PLC, um, as in Inchcape who own the centre, but you feel there's some autonomy within the classic division that they're given that the ability to engage discuss with the customers not, not that they don't do generally but but on on a, on a different level dealing with a, a, a modern car which is a plug-in diagnostics um and i think referring to nick's little black book must be quite a huge black book actually you'll bear in mind how many years of training courses and things that he's been on but you you feel that uh that there is more engagement there with the customer on the level it needs to be because when you're dealing with the classic, there are inevitably more things that can go wrong. Yeah, and they can go wrong in different ways as well. And there's different levels of how people want to spend their cash, isn't there, in, in particular places. Yeah. So, yeah, you could you could have somebody that wants you know, everything to be perfect. And there's, you know, back to showroom condition. But there's other people that are, you know, want to see a bit more character left in the car let's put it yeah. um so it needs that customer customer um engagement to to work out what that customer wants and i think you get that where before with an opc it was very much a you take it in for a service and then you get a bill at the end and there's sort of no interaction between in between so it just feels you've got that more customer engagement i think yeah. so yeah not not for everybody but I think it is great that they, you know, you've got that as an additional option to all of the the independents that are out out there as well. Yes, I I, I agree, and that's your point about uh, Porsche uh, enthusiasts. Generally, Porsches, we're not we're not really concourse individuals. Generally, I would no. say the majority. Whereas there may be other um, cars, uh, classic cars, um, maybe certain British ones. Uh, that where they are so fastidious about the whole nut and bolt restoration, the whole it, it's completely original. Whereas I think with Porsche, there's there's a, an understanding that these these are living, breathing cars, and, and that there are improvements you can make. There are things you can do. Lee, you've done it with yours. Andy, yours. I've done it with mine, and they sort of evolve a bit and you and you say well if we put this suspension on that that that's that's uh, an improvement yeah and it and it doesn't detract and people are certainly the reception value that your cars received 
where we've been to events and things and people are really enthusiastic about it and encouraged by it. Lee with your, your fried eggs and, and the Lara's <laughs> growing up and changing. And it, it triggers broom is, is, is a great expression. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that, it's not triggers brooms. It's, it's just keeping them, keeping them healthy, keeping them fun, keeping, uh, and it, it doesn't mean the original is perfect. And there is a, place in the world for complete originality of course there is and it's amazing to see cars that, that for example that um uh softback targa that's at uh, uh at oh Ball. yeah I mean, yeah i mean just beautiful uh, yeah just absolutely stunning but equally uh the, the, there is a another path where you, you you improve and you make it your own yeah yeah and, uh, I'd, um, I'd be interested to to know paul so from like the um the cars in your stable, obviously the, the vast majority of them are classics. So now where I think you're definitely a fan of Porsche Classic and that kind of concept of taking a classic car back to a main dealer, what makes you decide as to whether you use a main dealer or an independent specialist? Because it, it can vary for each car. And, and it's a job I think you're doing as well, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 So what, yeah, what's your, what's your kind of thought process behind that? <clears throat> I'm still learning on, on that, and uh, but I believe in the people uh, who you're dealing with and who's on the ground, whether they're an independent or w- whether it's a an OPC. I haven't had the opportunity in the past to use an OPC, a classic o- o- OPC. So I've, I've taken, um, I've known John Piper for twenty odd years because of, with my more modern cars over the years, I've gone to him. So I wanted to give them the opportunity and the chance, and I've been very impressed with what they've, they've done. And to answer your question, the, it really is, and Andy picked up on it, it's a question of what one is actually trying to, to achieve uh, and what, one's, what, what each car needs. Um, so the decision is based on what's the problem. Um, I quite like having the, the cars MOT'd at the OPC, because you sort of you almost get your not 110 point check or whatever it is now 130 but how many checks it is but you're almost sort of getting that um uh, uh, there and and the other thing is access to parts with the opc for classic register yes we know as a business they want to draw us in they're getting our data they're registering us but actually they're giving something back there's, there's that discount uh, and and that's quite valuable andy i'm, I'm sure oh, yeah you, you, you found it with, with the parts that you're ordering. And sometimes you can't believe that directly from the manufacturer that those those parts are the price that they are. Yeah, And I'm talking absolutely. about value. Yeah. And Mercedes have actually always been like that. People who are into Mercedes have always said that actually the parts directly from Mercedes are, are very good and very good value. And I think that's a, I think it's kind of Germanic way uh, of business. I, I can't really speak for certain Italian manufacturers, but it seems to me that, that things can be quite horrendously expensive. And it came up in conversation today with somebody who owns a 355 Ferrari. And we're saying it was certain things have to be done. And, and the, even the car's done no mileage. And, and it's three, four, five thousand pounds. Ouch. Yeah. Every two years or three years. Or yeah. How have you found the bills so far then, Paul? That's the big, the bottom line question. You're talking, isn't it? To, you're talking to me on a day where I've actually paid some. <laughs> um, uh, actually, uh, they were below my worst expectations and in line uh, with what I would expect. And yeah. but but they were discussed. There wasn't any, there weren't any surprises. No everything surprises. Cool. Yeah, everything was discussed. 
each each and every step that was needed to be done we found some issues uh, on a 930 turbo uh, which you guys touched on in, in in last week and it was all discussed and it was presented separately with estimates and the estimates were in there there was also the parts discount i didn't have to ask it was all yeah. in there yeah uh, which is is, is is lovely sometimes sometimes you go to places and go oh well, i'm supposed to get this discount and you have to keep asking for it there, there yeah, was yeah. no need to and it was presented we went through everything and absolutely in line with ex- expectations would it have been or would it have not have been less than independent I'm, I'm, I, I, i'm not sure i don't know but but it's certainly in line with what one would expect yeah not not exorbitant um i've just had um well i think it was about two a4 sheets of paper of parts that i need to get for my car well not parts that i need to get but it was like a a list of what i need to understand how much these bits cost so i can decide whether i'm going to <laughs> replace them or whether how much I'm, project creep you're going to yeah do. that's it yeah and was it, um, it was your wish list yeah, it was my yeah my top wish list, I guess. Yeah, and that had um, yeah three grand's worth of stuff on it, uh, which sounds an awful lot. But there was there was um, yeah there's some there's some big ticket items on there. Um, but when you actually go through it line by line, um, and I've been a bit of a spod, I've started doing a spreadsheet and sort of shopping around, and um, the majority of the parts are actually it, less expensive there than they are on with other you know, all the other mm. online places, but there are other, there are bits that aren't. So, they, you know, there's place to shop around, place to shop around but all uh, definitely all the smaller parts. Um, I've got, yeah, quite a few little bits and bobs that I needed, uh, brackets and bits here and there. Mm. And, uh, they're so inexpensive at Porsche as I've been sort of pushing for a while. So yeah, but still pays to, to shop around. Yeah. yeah. Pays to shop around, but also um, it's quite good to be able to go somewhere where everything is available because yes. we all have limited amount of time and it's, it's yeah. a balance between how much you're saving and the, and the time you're spending yeah. to it. Absolutely. Good them. And if there's particularly big ticket items, then you can say, oh, guys, uh, I can get this for such and such. You can make that decision. But for little bits and pieces uh I, I think it's great to be able to go to to, to, to one place yeah absolutely uh, yeah and get, oh and good you, and you get a nice coffee <laughs> always helps always helps um, paul elsewhere in the, this episode we're discussing uh, car names and nicknames so just wondering if you've ever named any of your cars and uh, if so what 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 did you go for if you if you care to share uh, well uh, the latest acquisition, being the Ruby Stone 992 Turbo S, is known as sorry, is known as Ruby um, for obvious reasons. Actually, obvious, within the family, yeah. we've always yeah named cars. So the Martini is Martin. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, no, revealed to you on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> works radio. Um, the uh, Club Sport. Yeah. So 88 Club Sport, always known as Clubby. Yeah, perfect. And um, probably not. Um, no, no. I think that uh, um, others have been, no, no, no. Those are the main ones. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it seems like um, the ones that you've mentioned, they're kind of the 
you, you know, you mentioned the family, so it's kind of like the family's got involved with that. It's not just kind of you that said that. And um, you know, I, I'll be I'll be interested to see how that goes down in your household when you tell your dear wife that you're just popping out with Ruby for a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that one. <laughs> um, my brother always names all his cars. He's mainly into lotuses, and uh, they all have a name. And it may be related to, although he did have a Porsche. He um, owned um, Derek Bell's 928 um, uh, SE, the, the sorry, Club Sport. Yeah. And that is just known as uh, Derek. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and his uh, 928 SE, which he still has, is Clive, because he sold Derek and got Clive. <laughs> <laughs> They're just perfect sort of 70s, 80s names, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Another quick little segue, actually, Paul. So you mentioned Ruby, Ruby there, which is the Ruby Star 992 Turbo S for those listening at home that haven't seen the car on their Instagram. I'm sure most people have by now. It, you know, that was, it was, I think, you know, such an awesome decision. One could argue incredibly brave as well. It's, as I say, kind of taken over Instagram a couple of weeks ago as well. So what's the feedback been like for you and what's the reality of owning... Uh, a Ruby Star 992 Turbo S. You're right. It was very brave, and I deliberated long and hard. But <laughs> then, I, what went through my mind was saying, "We're on this planet once. I've been given this opportunity of a paint sample 992 Turbo S." And so I thought, "No, I am going to go for it." And part of the rationale was a, a number of things. First of all, Ruby star uh, as it is now but was ruby stone is an iconic porsche color yes not associated with a turbo it's 964 and and some other cars not gt3s some uh, pts gt3s but i wanted to have my own interpretation of a turbo and looking back to the origins of the turbo and they were always amazing colors there was mexico blue there was copper bronze metallic there were all kinds of of, of wonderful colors that those the early turbos came in and when i started to look at the configurator there was the opportunity to pay some homage homage to the early 911 turbos so putting in the um shark fin uh, protectors the black protectors that went in and I started to build around that. And as we know, we've all done it. We've all sat there, particularly in lockdowns, configuring cars and things. And then I started to look at the details, like the chrome window surround, the wheels being more of a silver color than a, than, 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 than a gold color, which some people do with, with uh, ruby cars or black cars. And then the rear wiper has actually probably caused the most con- controversy with the car. The color has been incredibly well received and I've been humbled by people's compliments and it, 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 amazing. But the rear wiper, people were like, oh, well, you know, it, it spoils the lines. Mm, it's actually really practical. And I use the cars. And when you're sat in a traffic jam and it's pouring with rain or it's covered in dirt, you actually want a rear wiper. And the original 930s, it was, they had the wiper. And in the day, Lee, you're far too young, but in the day, that was a really cool accessory. So, so to answer your question, um, uh, amazing reception. It's been really humbling. And uh, it's 
in a way you slightly feel there's a pleasure um, to be able to show it, use it and uh, bring it into the world. Excellent. Yeah, that's that's cracking, Paul. Yeah, well, look, we appreciate your insight as always. Um, yeah, and particularly with your experience and knowledge in the industry. So thank you for that on, on all fronts, on Classic and, uh, and Ruby and naming cars. Pleasure. It's a pleasure. Cool. Cheers, Paul. Speak soon. Awesome, Andy. Yeah, good to hear Paul's perspective. Definitely. And mine as well, yeah. from a parts point of view. Yeah. So like, where's that going to go for you then? Like, are you going for it or is it going to be a pairing back of the wish list? Or? Uh, there's bits that I'll be buying at Porsche because they are good value. Um, some bits um, I will be going after market mm-hmm. on. Some bits I don't need to do quite yet. So, yeah, mm. a little bit of shopping around, a little bit of delaying stuff yeah. just to bring it in budget. You, your your spreadsheet is elaborative, which is t- <laughs> typical you with your diligence to the yeah. task. So fair yeah. play, my man. Spotty as my wife would call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's good where you've got like the Porsche price and then obviously like, you know, other like third parties or whatever. Or yeah, it's good to, good to see, isn't it? Really? Yeah. But, you know, there, there is, there's good value there. And I think that's, I, you know, I would have definitely... I don't know, 10 years ago, I'd never have even thought of going to the original manufacturer to, cause I would thought that the prices would be crazy. Yeah. You know, that yeah. I could get it cheaper elsewhere, but I, yeah, I'll continue to bang that drum of give them a go. Yeah. 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 And I think it's interesting that, you know, Paul's given them a go and it's not crazy. Uh, it's just, I think it's not a case that we're trying to preach that that is the place to go, mm. but isn't it great that, you feel you can it's an use them. Yeah, it's an option. Yeah. 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 Which, which I don't think it was really before. We, you know, yeah, agreed. Was, Not with classics. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Definitely. And and particularly if your classic was uh, perhaps less valuable, you were never inclined to kind of no, you would spend never even out think loads about it, on a car yeah. that didn't kind of attain a lot of value. Yeah. Um, but that's changing, which is good. And, and, you know, choice is great for the consumer. So we Absolutely. are definitely yeah. champions of that on this podcast. Yeah. Andy, what another stellar episode, my man. Yeah, interesting. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, thank you at home for joining us and listening as always. As we kind of said throughout, do get in contact with us. Let us know about your best bodges or bodges you've heard of, bodges that unfortunately you might be on uh, the receiving end of. Drop us an email, hello at uh, hello at nineworks.co.uk or across any of our Instagram pages. Absolutely, and that is my cuckoo clock. That's you hear it? it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Quite literally telling us to wrap it up on the hour. Yeah. So, yeah. Excellent. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much.